everyone you are listening to a live broadcast of the looking up program my name's Sharissa and I am joined in studio today by good afternoon oh did I say good morning before no. No. <laughs> okay <laughs> I did I think <laughs> anyway it's a good afternoon and I'm joined by Justin yes, good to have you here Faithful, trusty dusty husband that's right good to have you here Danny's um, on his way back from a trip north he had to uh, conduct a funeral service so he was unable to be here but he looks forward to joining us next week and of course our wonderful producer Shell is keeping all things together Hi. <laughs> there she is so as always we are so glad that you are joining us for this program and today we are taking a break from the series that we have been trekking through we've been doing a series uh, with Danny on yes. the three angels messages mm. we got to the third angels message and I think he wants to dive a little more into that one next week but this week as we take a break what are we going to be talking about today, Justin? Well, the, the uh, study that we're going to go through in, in God's Word is called, Why Me, Lord? But it's not what you think. Okay. So we're going to be looking at the, the issue of trials. Mm. Uh, where do they fit into the Christian experience? And uh, what purpose do they serve? What should our attitude be in trials? What does the Bible have to say about trials? And we're going to share about a, a trial that um, I'm actually, that we are actually going through together uh, on the show that kind of sparked this this uh, study a few weeks ago as we shared with our local church family here in Newcastle. Wonderful. Well, I think that's a subject that everybody can relate to in one way or another, some shape or form. And so if you want to know how to make sense of the trials of your life, you want to stay tuned to this program because God has a message of hope for us today from His Word. And also, this is a great, that's a great topic for us to be talking about on the Looking Up program because we can look up and find hope in Jesus. Well, we want to just make you aware of some housekeeping things as always. The first thing is, uh, please, if you would like to send us a comment, a question, a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you. It just assures us that we're not talking to ourselves, <laughs> but there's a live audience out there. So the number to contact us on is 04888-17624. And you will want to keep that number close by and handy if you want to be in the running for the prize. Also, a reminder that you can access all past episodes of this program on our Faith FM website, faithfm.com.au. Go there, click on the Looking Up program, and you can see all the past episodes as podcasts there. And I always like to say, please, if you haven't already, download the Faith FM app, because yes. then you can hear it anywhere, and it's got great great sound so on demand programming too on demand so we're going to hear now a song by cc wyman's perfect uh, song why me why me lord what have i ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures i've known tell me What did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you showed? 
song and uh, we are welcoming you back if you're just joining us this is looking up we're live and we want to let you know that coming up soon we're going to give out a code word for today's prize giveaway Uh, we have a special prize that can go to the first six people to text in today's code word and i'll just tell you what the prize is we'll give you the code word a little bit later the prize is a book by danny sinnett I actually used to work with her, Danielle. Yeah, I remember um, Danny. Yeah, we know Danny. So she wrote a book, Every Heart's Cry, The Search for Unconditional Love and Emotional Connection in an Imperfect World. If mm. you're interested in a practical and spiritual guide, especially for women exploring the cry of the heart and the path to connection, then this is a book that you will be blessed by tremendously. And if you're a guy... You can have a copy too, and you can give it to a lady if you think she's <laughs> the best one. There you go. So uh, the number to keep handy when we give the code word is zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four. Well, Justin, usually at this point we start reflecting on what's been happening in the world around us and how we see the signs mm-hmm. of the times telling us to look up because Jesus is coming soon. And well, been, there are a lot there of is things a lot. happening. I mean, the world just continues to spin and it seems spiral. It seems by the week, just when there's a lull and there's some peace and we think, ah, oh, we may be going back to normal. Yeah. Um, we realize, wow, no, things are continuing to, to point us to the fact that this world is not our home. 
And uh, that heaven ultimately is meant to be our home, something we can look forward to. Absolutely. And certainly in our own country here on the weekend, we had all eyes riveted to news stations Mm. wondering what would happen with the uh, election. But, you know, I I don't know about you, but I was thinking um, when I think about this in light of, you know, God's word and the times in which we live, I'm reminded of what it says in Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 2, I think it's verse 44, that, you know, in the days of these kings, You know, the kingdoms of this world, they come and go. But God is going to set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Mm, And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. And uh, that is a great hope for us. Uh, Governments change. Yes, people, leaders come and go. But the ultimate kingdom that will be set up is Mm. Christ's kingdom. Yes, because he is the ultimate king, the only ruler who can have power and not be corrupt, (laughs) corrupt in some way, big or small. The only one who is perfect enough to reign as king of kings and lord of lords. Absolutely. And in in light of the new government and the changes that are happening in our country right now, we need to keep our our politicians and our government in our prayers that God will guide them and that they'll be open to his leading. But moving abroad, there's been other things catching people's attention on the news uh, lately. And how about monkeypox? (laughs) Monkeypox. What a name. Yeah. Um, I was just reading just before we went live here that there's been a few more countries that report cases. And this mm. used to be apparently an isolated um, virus. It was it was in Africa, but now it's left the continent of Africa and it's starting mm. to spread the Czech Republic and Slovenia. And we have it here in Australia, don't we? We have it here in Australia. They have a case here. Um, the UAE became the first Gulf state to record a case of monkeypox. Wow. Um, it's in Europe. It's in Australia. It's in America. So what is monkeypox? Well, you were hoping I wouldn't ask. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> Why do you do that? <laughs> um, don't don't break it down. You know, medically, I know you want to. Yeah, give I'm, a I'm literally looking at pictures but. of it. <laughs> monkeypox is similar to smallpox, but less severe and less infectious. I understand there are these boils that break out on your skin, or these yes. sores. So, yeah. like smallpox, it looks like blisters Ooh, that wow. break out all over the skin. He's looking at my uh, screen here, and he oh, can see the symptoms: are fever, headaches, swelling, aching muscles, itchy rash. And it's spread by close contact with an infected person. Um, I believe there was a country, I can't remember which one it was. I thought it might be Belgium, but I might be wrong about that. So that, uh, um, you know, they said if you get it and you have the symptoms, you should quarantine for 21 days. Being wow. your, you know, isolate for 21 days. So, yeah, look, it's just interesting. Watch this space. When, wow. when we heard Jesus talk, when we read about Jesus talking about the signs of the times. Yes, Matthew 24, 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, plural. and earthquakes in various places. That's right, plural of strange diseases. Mm-hmm. And we see that diseases seem to be mutating. And we were told by the experts for the last you know, a decade or, or so that we should be on the lookout because something big was probably looming is what they were saying. And so, you know, infectious diseases are on the rise. And thankfully, monkeypox isn't as contagious as smallpox. Yes. But, you know, who knows what might be coming down the line that might even be worse. That's right. And so, yeah, That's absolutely right. a sign of the times. And another another thing to point us to heaven, because every sign of the times points us to something about this world that makes us homesick for heaven. Mm. And in this sense, not sick in the literal sense, of course, but (laughs) long for heaven. um, It says in Isaiah, I believe chapter 11, it says, no inhabitant of heaven, that is, and the new earth, no inhabitant will say, I am sick. 
And so what a day that's going to be. Cancer-free, monkeypox-free, COVID-free. Um, the universe will be free of disease forever. Yeah, right. And I like what you said there, how all of these signs, they give us a longing for heaven um, and a distrust. We recognize that we can't put our trust in this world because this world, you just, hey, monkeypox <laughs> can catch you. Um, things change. People come and go. But but God's word, God's kingdom is a good kingdom. I love how the Bible describes God's kingdom. There'll be no more death, no mm. more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying yes. for the former things have passed away. Amen. That's so, right. Yeah, absolutely. Moving to some very, very sad news um, that happened today in the United States, which is your home, uh, Justin. Yes. Uh, there was a terrible shooting a deadly shooting at a mm. Texas elementary school today. Absolutely tragic. Yeah, 19 children, two adults were killed in the shooting. Uh, the suspect was an 18-year-old who was also dead. And just before the gunman went to the school, he shot his grandmother, who didn't die. Mm. She's in mm. hospital. Mm. But, uh, oh, look. Yeah. And we've been praying for the families of these poor, I mean, these poor families of these children who died um, since we heard, since we read this earlier today, and what a devastating thing! I mean, what a what a shock this must have been. The teacher um, seemed like a beautiful lady who just loved her kids. Her students was killed as well in the attack. We don't know the motive. We don't know what was going on. We know he he posted photos of his guns to Instagram ahead of time. He'd been given them for his 18th birthday or something like this. Is what you were reading earlier? Yeah, so he he just got them. But, but yeah, all the kids are between 7 and 11. Mm, mm. 7 and 11 years so, of age. So sad. We can't imagine what the no. pain the families must be going through um, at this time. But yes, we definitely want to be praying for the families and Most for the definitely. community. Absolutely. You know, I, I heard, <clears throat> excuse me, I heard a young man, well, he shared a testimony of his life. He ended up in, in a maximum security prison at the age of 16. And he said that, and as he was sharing his testimony, because he found Jesus in prison, mm. he ended up uh, he ended up giving his life to God, and he ended up being such an amazing prisoner, like helping the lives of others and spending the little money that he earned for people outside the prison and those in need, that the governor of the state of Washington actually granted him a pardon. And mm. it was the only time in history that this kind of a pardon had been given. And amazing story. Um but I'll never forget that as he shared, he said the reason why he went about all the crime that he did was because he was told and he fully believed, well, after this, there's nothing. Mm. It's just like a video game. May as well do whatever I want. When I die, I'm dead and that's it because there's nothing after this life. And so it caused him to, to treat, to approach life in a completely different way. And I don't know what this young man that did this in, there in Texas must have believed what was going on in his mind. I don't know if um, what his his like ideology was, if he had a faith uh, in the existence of God or not. But as we look around us in the world, and there's an increasing doubt in the existence of God, and things forces like evolutionary theory that are undermining the existence of God and us being created in the image of God, where it's just dog eat dog survival of the fittest. That kind of belief and ideology will lead people to make decisions that they wouldn't make if they believed that there was a God who will make all things right, who will hold us accountable for what we do in this life. Mm. 
And that's another thing, I guess, that we can thank God for is that while there are situations like this with no justice on this earth, there is a day coming where the just judge of all the universe will will call everything into account. Mm-hmm. That does bring relief because mm. it really part of the pain is that this, you know, there is no justice really yeah. right now. It's just pain. It's just hurt. But knowing that there is a God in heaven who, you know, will bring all things to account, as mm. you said, that does bring a sense of, of, of hope. And, uh, yeah, we definitely, as you think about this, when you see it on the news, pray, stop and pause and pray yes. for the families as they grieve. Um, it doesn't feel right to talk about maybe, other things maybe after Maybe we that. could even just pause and pray for them now. Absolutely. Our Father and our God, Lord, our hearts ache for these dear families of those who have been killed in this tragic shooting today. And Lord, we know that your heart is aching and breaking because of this as well. And Lord, you know and you love all of these individuals infinitely more than any other human, any human being can. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are a God of love. And though pain and misery and and terrible things like this that happen on this earth cause us to wonder why, why pain and and misery are in existence even. We thank you that the day is coming, you promise us, where all wrongs will be made right and where you as the just and perfect judge of the universe will, um, will right the wrongs that have been done, that have been made as best as is possible. And Lord, we thank you also for the promise of eternal life. And we know that that um, there will be many there, if not all of those there today. We don't know where their hearts were, but we believe that we will see them in the resurrection when Jesus comes back. And so, Father, we do pray for their families. Send the Holy Spirit to be with them, who you promised would be the comforter in times like this. And Lord, we do thank you that the day is coming where where we will be able to dwell in a place with no pain, no suffering, no sorrow where God himself will wipe the tears from our eyes. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Justin. Well, um, we have a little bit more time, so I just want to also address another thing. And maybe you can uh, share the biblical perspective on on this word here. I'm pointing at it on my screen. Because on the weekend, uh, Pope Francis, he canonized 10 new saints who offered their lives without expectation of worldly glory. And, uh, you know, I just thought that was interesting because the Bible has some things to say about saints. Is a saint somebody that only the Pope canonizes according to Scripture? No. In fact, um, the word saint is never used in the singular in the Bible. Is that so? Yeah. And the word saint actually in the New Testament in Greek, it's hagioi, which means holy ones. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the crazy thing is today when we think of saints, we think of those who are, you know, canonized by the Catholic Church because this is what happened starting in the Dark Ages. And um, but when we look at the word saints in the New Testament, in the Bible, the New Testament book of First Corinthians, the church in the city of Corinth was a mess. I mean, like an absolute mess. Um, like a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law and all kinds of terrible things happening, but Paul addressed them as the saints of God. Mm. Okay, so it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're sinless, but what it means is you've surrendered your life to Christ fully and you are a part of the holy ones. Not because we're holy in and of ourselves, but because we've accepted Jesus who is holy 
And he has accredited his righteousness to us and his forgiveness covers us and cleanses us when we repent of our sins and confess them to him. And so that's what the name saint really means. And saint, again, never appears in the singular in the Bible. It's always saints, plural. Hmm. And so... So we can yeah. be saints. We are saints. Once you give your life to Christ, you are a saint. You are one Praise of the saints. The Lord. It reminds right. me, uh, we've been going through the three angels' messages, and I think we're going to probably land on Revelation fourteen twelve and spend more time on it. But the Bible says, here is the patience of the saints. Yes. Here are they who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Beautiful. So that's a good definition right there. Well, I've enjoyed that conversation, Justin. <laughs> and uh, at this point, we're going to continue listening to Eliza King bring us Secret Place. It should be an interesting and beautiful song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
To Faith FM, positively different radio. People of faith in our world today are singled out for deserving the highest level of discrimination and bigotry, and we shouldn't be surprised at that because Matthew chapter 24 is the signs of the times passage in the Bible, mm. and in verse 9 it says, Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and you shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. You know, you could retranslate that. Then they shall deliver you up to be discriminated against and you shall be treated with bigotry by all nations for my namesake. Join us weekday mornings on The Breakfast Show. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Look up. I love that song, Neville. Well, you are listening to, in case you didn't know already, Looking Up Live. And uh, we are going to give away the code word, Justin. All right. So uh, we're about to begin our Bible study today, the prize giveaway for the first six people. The first six people to text us today's code word will receive their very own free copy. I have this book, a copy of the book called Every Heart's Cry, The Search for Unconditional Love and Emotional Connection in an Imperfect World by Danielle Sinnott. And uh, if that's something you crave, then know that you are not alone and many people also feel uh, lonely, disconnected, and so you will want to get your hands on this book because there is a rich blessing in there for you. The code word for today is... Trust. Trust. I got it right. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, you don't get a prize. I was looking at you like, (laughs) it was trust, right? (laughs) I I was actually thinking truth, so I'm glad you said trust. (laughs) 
because uh, that is the word. Trust is the word, and the number to text us is zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four. Text the word trust, and if you're one of the first six people to do so, this book is yours as a gift from us. Well, Justin, uh, we are getting ready now for our Bible study together, and um, I'll just hand over to you. Maybe we can open with prayer. Yeah, let's. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word that is as a light shining in the dark place. Lord, this world is dark and in various moments of our lives can be darker than others. But we thank you that you are a God who is present with us in the midst of trials. And I just think of um, Micah 7 verses 7 and 8. It says, "When I, though I sit in darkness, the Lord is my light. And so, Lord, bless us through your word as we study now, as we talk about trials and difficulties and and why bad things happen to a degree and what our response should be as children of God and followers of the King of Kings. So bless us in our time in your word now as only you can, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm looking forward to this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it wasn't too long ago. It was early February, February 7th. And, um, you know, Sharissa, I think that you and Pastor Danny even, call, like, I called you. Didn't you call me when I was at home and you did a little interview with yeah, me in our time? we did. Because I became an unti- unidentified flying object That's to some right. people nearby, <laughs> briefly. I was learning to kite surf on a Monday afternoon with uh, Ryan Cuff, who's actually been on radio a number of times in the breakfast show. That's right. He was teaching me uh, how to kite surf, and I was just controlling the kite on the sand. And um, little did I know the power of the wind. You know, it's easy to underestimate something that's invisible. Mm-hmm. But, man, the wind was blowing hard that day. I did ask Ryan ahead of time, are you sure it's safe? Because it's blowing pretty hard. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Come to find out after it was 40-kilometer-an-hour winds. It was and very windy that day, I remember. You said goodbye to me when you left the house, and I was sitting on my favorite chair, <laughs> and every time a gust of wind slammed against the glass, felt like the whole house was shaking, mm. and I was just praying, Lord, please protect Justin and Ryan. Well, God answered your prayers, um, <laughs> but the the wind did pick me up four meters in the air, kite came forward, pulled me forward, probably 30k an hour or so, came down and... I slammed into the sand, my hips went, and face planted, my left leg did the splits over me and tumbled into the sand, Uh, thought I'd broken something, went to hospital, and um, little did I realize that as I was heading to the hospital in the back of the the, um, ambulance, um, (laughs) kicking myself for trying kite surfing, little did I realize that what could have killed me very well may have saved my life. And so our study this afternoon is called, Why Me, Lord? But that phrase, as you're going to see later on, is not what you think and not what people usually make it out to be. How are we to understand difficulties and trials in life? This is a really important question. Um, I'm memorizing the book of James at the moment. And James chapter 1 starts off by James introducing himself. He's writing to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He says, greetings. And then his first words in verse 2 are this. Yeah, the Bible says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Mm, Count it all joy. I mean, is that the first reaction 
usually when you when not something goes wrong in life? Oh, joy! <laughs> Definitely not, right? But James says, "Count it all joy when you fall into various trials." Verse three, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience.、Mm. And that word patience is hupamane in Greek, which means endurance、mm-hmm. or perseverance. So the testing of our faith produces patience. How is our faith tested? Through trials, through difficulties in life. Why do bad things happen on this planet? Well, there are three main reasons. I'm actually going to throw in a fourth one. But first of all, sometimes bad things happen as a result of our own choices. Yes. So. Natural result of our own choice. If I smoke for like sixty years, I'm more likely to have lung cancer or emphysema.、Um, you know, if I drink, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and the, like the young man in America who decided he chose to pick up a gun and go and. Yeah, and his life is now ended because of his own choice and the lives of others, which leads into the second reason bad things happen sometimes in this world, and that is as a result of living in a sin affected world. Sometimes things just happen. You may get a disease because of、uh, the toxicity factor in your neighborhood that you grew up in.、Um, it may be that your child was just shot and killed tragically in a shooting because someone was making the terrible. And into this category of living in a sin affected world is when bad things happen to us because of other people's bad choices.、Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's completely out of our hands. And third, Satan's direct attack. And we're going to look at、uh, an example of that from Job chapter one, that shows that you know Satan can directly attack us、um, in life. Now, I would just add to this list、uh, of why you know difficult things and bad things happen in this life that the Bible does talk about rarely how God does、uh, send calamity, but any time that God does that is actually for our good. Okay. Any time that God does something like that, it's like the surgeon removing a cancerous tumor, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, that is God when He sends calamities or difficulties. It's actually for a good result, and that's why it kind of doesn't fit into these three in this category of bad things because He may send certain things to achieve a good result, as He is a good God.、It、reminds me of the saying:、um, "A surgeon cuts to heal; a butcher cuts to kill." kill. That's、yeah. right. Yeah, and you know. Jesus said in John ten verse ten that Satan came not not but to steal, kill, and destroy.、Mm-hmm. But God is a loving Father, and He's a surgeon that cuts only to heal. All right, Job chapter one. Let's open our Bibles up to Job chapter one. We're going to see an example of how sometimes Satan sends calamity and trial in our lives. And by the way, it's often, most often, or oftentimes in life, bad things may happen to us as a combination of these three things: a result of our own choices. The result of living in a sin-affected world and other people's choices falling into that, and third of all, it may be a direct attack from Satan. So it can be a combination of these things. Now, to summarize Job chapter one, the Bible tells us that、uh, God had a meeting, and among、uh, the leaders who came before him was Satan. And he says, "Where do you come from?" And he said, "From the earth, from walking to and fro." In other words, Satan was saying, "I'm the rightful representative of planet Earth." And that's why I'm here.、Mm-hmm. And then God said, "Ah, you think you rule all the earth, do you?" Basically, this is a summary. I'm I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember reading it like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this the, is the, JTV. the JTV. That's right. <laughs> But、um, the Justin Tarosian version, just to paraphrase. But、uh, basically, God says, "Have you considered my servant Job?" That's literally what he says. 
He's an upright man who escheweth evil. He he shuns evil. And basically, Satan says, ah, well, does Job fear God for nothing? It's because you bless him. You set a hedge about him. And so Satan throws this accusation against God that Job only serves you because, you know, you take care of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you make sure everything that happens to him is great. He says, curse him and or reach out your hand and strike him and he will curse you to your face. Mm. Now, what does God say in verse 12? The Bible says in Job 1 verse 12, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. There you go. So Satan says, God, reach out your hand and smite him, strike him. But what does God say? Okay, I'll reach out my hand and do terrible things to him. Just don't take his life. Well, he says, you do it. Yeah. He says, behold, all that he has is in your power. Good point. I've never in other words, God is not the one that even though he gets the blame most of the book of Job for all the calamities that happened True. to Job, it's not God that did this. Mm-hmm. It was Satan. Now, he says here, all that he has is in your power. Just do not lay a hand on his person. In other words, his body. Mm-hmm. You can't take his body. But other than that, you know, you have a right to attack him. And so it says in verse, and we'll just kind of fly through this, but... Wow, what happened next? Sharissa, why don't you read verse 13 and uh, 14 for us? All right. The Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons and daughter, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Whoa. So... All of his sons and daughters were in the eldest brother's house and they were all killed. So this phrase keeps popping up and it happens four times. And a messenger came to Job and said, now the next time it happens, it says this, while he was still speaking. So as this servant is still talking, telling him that all of his children have just died. He says, another also came to him, another servant who explains fire from God fell from heaven and what happened? And burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Yeah. It just keeps getting worse. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And, and then, while he was still speaking, another also came. Verse 18, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's home. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Wow. There you go. I mean, if just when you don't think it can get worse, it actually misspoke. In the beginning, it, it, it explains that his sons and daughters were drinking and eating in the oldest brother's house. But the messenger that came the first time said the ox and the plows and the, I mean, the oxen and the donkeys are all killed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then it just got worse and worse and worse, ending with all of his children being killed. I mean, the devil was merciless in what he did in attacking Job. But what was Job's response in verse 20? Then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground. And and he cried out, God, why me? (laughs) Actually, that's not what the Bible says. This is amazing, everyone. Job 1 verse 20 says, He fell to the ground and worshipped. Wow. He worshipped. Still, he praised God. And the Bible actually tells us what he said. Mm, The Bible says, verse verse 21, And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm, Wow. I don't know about you, but... I want to be like Job. Mm. 
Um, you know, back to the medical story. Uh, I was sitting there in hospital, and um, we weren't just randomly bringing up this uh, kite surfing crash story, but I did mention earlier for those who were with us that what could have killed me was actually used by God to save my life. I was sitting there in the hospital, and um, the day after the crash, I was in hospital. I only had one night in hospital, and one of the doctors from the emergency department came with two others and a screen, and they showed me a CT scan that they did of my spine to make sure it wasn't broken, and they said, we found some enlarged lymph nodes. Go to your GP and you know as soon as possible, and he'll order a biopsy. So we did that. We went. I got a needle biopsy of this lymph node in my, my neck, like my fossa lymph node, it's called, in my collarbone area, and um, waited a week and a half, and the doctor called me and said, look, um, you need to go to a specialist. I was like, well, that doesn't sound good. And he said, yeah, there's something wrong. We just don't know what because the type of biopsy doesn't, can't tell us what's wrong with it, but it's not normal. So contacted a specialist, went and saw him. He said, look, if you get it removed surgically, we'll know 100% what it is. If you don't, we get a larger biopsy. There's like a 90% chance. I said, look, let's just have it removed. I have plenty of lymph nodes. I'll be fine. Um, And so we had it removed. It was about two weeks, and it was a bit unnerving because we knew that something was wrong. We started looking things up and realizing uh, that, you know, it could be that I had a short time to live depending on what this was. And so, yeah, it was a bit an unnerving of a time, but we heard back from the specialist that, uh, should I save it till after the break? <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> Leave people hanging. Stay with us. We'll tell you uh, what the diagnosis was when we finally heard from the doctor two weeks later. That's right. We'll listen to Janine Orwa bring us the song Sunflower. Sunflower radiant and round Growing in the warm and dusty ground Can you see it turning its face towards the light Awestruck by the one That gives it life Like a sunflower Keep your eyes on me I will give you life I have set you free Like a sunflower Keep your eyes on me I will give you life I have set you free Can you see the sunflower standing in the rain? Its tear-stained petals strong despite the pain 
Can you see the thirsty soil where roots grow deep? Even though the skies above may weep Like a sunflower Grow in me I will give you set you free like a sunflower grow in me I will give you life I have set you free Sunflower. That was the name of the song, Sunflower. You are listening to Looking Up, and we're going through a Bible study on trials, how to make sense of them in light of God and His Word. And before we continue, we just want you to know that there is a prize giveaway. There's still a few up for grabs. So uh, there's a book that is for the first six people to text in today's code word. The code word is... Trust. <laughs> Trust. <laughs> Trust. 
T-R-U-S-T, trust. And if you text us with that word, this book by Danny Sinnott, Every Heart's Cry, The Search for Unconditional Love and Emotional Connection in an Imperfect World, this book can be yours. If that is something you crave, connection and um, also emotional connection and unconditional love, then this is a book you will be tremendously blessed by. Uh, So, yeah. The number to call or text, sorry, not call, don't call, text. <laughs> the number to text is 4 Text the word trust to 4 and we'll make sure if you're the first six that that book heads to you. Absolutely. Well, Justin, you left us on a cliffhanger. Yes. <laughs> what happened? To those who may have tuned in <laughs> over the break and with the music, um, so landed in hospital from a kite surfing crash. They found some enlarged lymph nodes, eventually got one removed after an inconclusive biopsy. We were waiting for about two weeks to find out what the diagnosis was. And what were you thinking during well, those two weeks? Like, how, how did you feel? I wasn't too nervous. Like I was un- unnerving. We, mm. we know there's something there, but I didn't know what it was. I actually got more nervous, more anxious when I heard what it was. I was the opposite. I actually was really? more nervous when we didn't know. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought it could be a really rare form of cancer. Or it sounded like lymphoma. Mm-hmm. We weren't sure. That's what the specialist said. He said you can only really know from the biopsy. But um, I was looking up different types of lymphoma and I was like, okay, I could have five years to live. And if I do, like, I really need to be connected with God every day so intimately that every decision that I make is exactly doing what I know he wants me to do because my time is so limited. Mm. And um, I guess we should, I should be living that way anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, word finally came back after those two weeks and my specialist uh, told us that it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Which, if you've never heard that before, like you've, it just sounds scary <laughs> to have a name. And those of you who have been in the similar situation, you'll be able to relate to that. So lymphoma is cancer of the lymph nodes, and Hodgkin's lymphoma is a more rare of the two. There's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, about 60 kinds of that, and then there's Hodgkin's lymphoma, and there are four kinds of that. Um, my doctor was actually fairly serious and somber when he told us wasn't he he was which was a little scary yes when once the we processed it and you are very he said i don't know what stage it is and you're getting a pet scan to find out the next day and this was amazing as well god was so good in the sense that i was we talked to a surgeon and the next day the next morning he said oh, i have an opening tomorrow morning mm-hmm. and i was on the operating table to get that lymph node out the next morning mm-hmm. two weeks later talked to my doctor um, my specialist found out what it was. The next morning, I got a PET scan. The next morning, we learned that it was stage two. So I'm asymptomatic. I had no symptoms. I still have no symptoms from the cancer. Um, but now we knew it had a name to it mm-hmm. and kind of had a face to it. And that's Hodgkin's lymphoma. Thankfully, it's, it's, a, it's a quite curable kind of cancer. And so, yeah, if you were going to describe it, some people have said if you're going to get a cancer, this is one of the good ones to yeah. get. Yeah, that's right. So, non Hodgkin's lymphoma tends to be more lethal yep. than Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so, that's, you know, definitely a positive thing. But it's like, wow, one in 200 cancer cases are lymphoma. So, it's fairly uncommon. Um, they aren't sure why it happens. But it does. We do have some, you know, some suspicions. I lived in the Central Valley of California for many years. And uh, the last place I lived for three years, I would leave the windows open because I had no air conditioning unit in my house. And it would get to like 45 degrees plus in the Central Valley. Um, 
And they wouldn't warn us. I lived in the middle of an orange orchard, and they would just spray these pesticides and insecticides, and I'd wake up with this smell in the house, and it's like, hmm, that might have had something to do with it. Yeah. We don't know. It could have been one of the factors. We're not sure. Yeah. But it usually forms in people, Hodgkin's lymphoma, between the ages of 15 and 35. Mm-hmm. So really a shock. Um, but, you know, God is very good. Um, the chances of me living beyond five years is very high. And, you know, statistically speaking, but God isn't bound by statistics. Amen. And I uh, fully believe that he'll heal me. Pastor Danny, actually, I asked him if he would anoint me in line with what the Bible says in uh, James chapter 5 and Mark chapter 6, verse 13. The Bible says Jesus sent out his disciples and they anointed many with oil in the name of the Lord and healed them. They cast out demons and they healed the sick. And so we find this precedent in the Bible. Oil, there's nothing super special about the oil. It's just olive oil. But it symbolizes a special invitation for the Holy Spirit to work healing. And so at our big camp a few weeks back, um, Pastor Danny and a group of uh, leaders from my church and friends surrounded me in prayer and asked that God would heal me, whether that be miraculously, instantaneously, right then, or if he was going to do it through treatment um, or if it would be you know, through natural means um, or a combination of those. And so... We told my specialist after that, before moving forward with any treatment, and we were still praying about what treatment to, path to pursue, but um, the recommendation of a number of people, well, I should just finish what I was saying. Um, we did say that, you know, I told my specialist I'd really need to get a scan to make sure that God hasn't miraculously chosen to heal me. Mm-hmm. Because I know a number of people who were miraculously in a massive, like, medically provable way healed from something really? through anointing. Yeah, My friend, uh, uh, Zach Page, his mom, Janet Page, over in the United States, she had a tumor in her abdomen the size of a grapefruit. Wow. Was anointed the night before her surgery, Felt woke up in the morning feeling totally healed, and she told the surgeon, um, yeah, I want you to check first before you make an incision, because I feel like God has healed me. Mm-hmm. He checked and totally gone. Wow. 100% <laughs> gone. And so God chooses to do that at times. But at other times, he chooses to heal us through the processes of the healing remedies in nature that he's given us through conventional medicine um, or in other ways. And uh, sometimes he chooses to heal us when he gives us a brand new body, when Jesus comes back Mm -hmm. and he allows us to fall asleep in death if he sees that in the grand scheme of things that that is best. And so I um, was uh, then Sharissa and I got covid (laughs) And uh, (laughs) it delayed my treatment. As we prayed and as we talked to a number of naturopathic doctor friends and specialists with conventional medicine, um, we were were told by a number of our naturopath friends that they'd never seen, you know, they'd not seen um, this type of cancer, lymphoma, healed with just natural means. And so as we were talking to people um, and specialists and experts, it seemed that the reason why the survivability rate is so high for Hodgkin's lymphoma is because the chemotherapy um, has been honed to be so effective. I don't want to say... it's very encouraging. It is. It is. I don't want to call it good no, it's, because it's definitely it's like bad a, on your body, but yeah. bad on the cancer as well. Yeah. And so anyhow, had COVID, couldn't start chemo, and then uh, started chemo last Wednesday, a week ago today. Mm-hmm. My head still feels like it's uh, in, a, in a vice grip a little bit, but it's, <laughs> it's, the pressure has lessened since yesterday. And uh, which is less than the day before, which is less than the day before that. Every day you're feeling a little bit better. Absolutely. And um, 
God, it was it was really really rough. And I man, I just I'm a part of this Hodgkin's lymphoma support group on Facebook, and uh, just asking questions and reading people's posts and stuff. And man, the people who are in chemo for like nine months, mm. twelve months, I cannot imagine. Yeah, you know, and my heart just really goes out to to those who have it so much worse uh, than I do. But really grateful to God. We're also coupling that with a lot of natural remedies. I'm taking turmeric, which actually enhances your natural killer cells, the curcumin in turmeric. Um, a number of other things, uh, wormwood supplement, which uh, sounds kind of funny, but <laughs> it's uh, Artemisia annua. Uh, a number of other herbal things as well as uh, other things that are proven to actually um, prevent the cancer cells from becoming immune to certain chemo drugs, interestingly. We're learning a lot on the journey and meeting lots of people who have lots to share as well. Absolutely. You know, already we've seen God open so many doors by us meeting so many people and being able to connect with people on a level. I was surprised at how many people I didn't realize, my friends uh, and family even, were cancer survivors Mm. who never told me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know were cancer survivors or didn't know, didn't realize, or didn't remember And so God is good. And if he doesn't remove a mountain out of your way, it means that he's going to take you by the hand and walk up over it or around it or tunnel with you through it. And there are lessons that he wants to teach you on the way. And like our code word is today, the biggest lesson he wants to teach us is trust. Oh, absolutely. And that's a perfect plug spot. (laughs) If you haven't, there's just maybe just a few left, not many left now. The prize giveaway for today, Every Heart's Cry, is a book by Danielle Sinnott. If you would like to obtain your free copy, then please text the word TRUST to the number 04888-17624. And if you're within the first six, the book is yours. TRUST, 04888-17624. Yeah. You know, there is a... um there's a, a, our Bible study this afternoon is called Why Me, Lord? And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in just a minute here. But this is a helpful exercise. And, you know, this question of why me? We often think, oh, woe is me. Why me? Why is all this bad happening to me? But we can flip it and actually make it an exercise of thanksgiving to God. Mm-hmm. For example, why me, Lord? Why do I live in a country, me personally, Justin, why do I live in a country with such good medical care? And others suffer around the world with with no help or without the ability uh, to receive the help that I'm blessed to receive. Why me? Why has my cancer been caught so soon when others don't discover it until stage four? Why do I get to have a, a job with good enough pay to afford medical insurance when some in other countries get hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt when they get sick? Um, why me? You know, why have I had such quick care while others at times wait for months for medical appointments? And, you know, as you're listening out there, you may think, well, it's easy for you to say, Justin, because you'll probably survive this. But let me say, even if I was going to die next week or tomorrow, I could still ask the same kinds of questions. Why have I been blessed? Why me? Why have I been blessed with such an amazing wife for these three years we've been married? Why have I had the privilege of knowing Jesus and having an abundant life? Why me? Why did I live to the age of 35 and well, 36 to June 20, in June 26, <laughs> if I make it there, right? But Amen. why have I lived to be 35 and had such a full and happy life? And so as we saw on the side of a juice van a few weeks ago, the cup is half full. And the first half was delicious. (laughs) It's really about our perspective. Mm. And um, 
you know, just a quick story before we uh, take a quick break here. And I heard this story some years ago of a shoe salesman who was sent by his company to an island. And he was sent to this island. And as he got to the island, he looked out, got off the boat, and he realized that no one was wearing shoes. <laughs> like, no semblance of shoes at all. No, nothing. And he was like, how on earth am I supposed to sell shoes to people that don't wear shoes? And he tried a little bit, and he gave up, and he wrote back to his company, and he said, the people here don't wear shoes. Like, what were you thinking sending me here? So they said, okay, you're coming home. They brought him home, and they sent another guy with a different perspective, and the guy got off the boat, and he went, the people here don't wear any shoes. <laughs> Nobody owns a pair of shoes yet. There's no competition but everybody, once they see how great shoes are, I'm going to get shoes sold to everybody on the island. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it really, a lot of life is our perspective. Yeah. Are we going to view the cup as half full or half empty? Um, are we going to look for the silver lining in the clouds and see how God has blessed in a situation or have a woe is me attitude? And if you think, why me, Lord, focus on the good and make it an exercise of thanksgiving to God. Why me, Lord? Why have I received so many blessings? Amen. That's a very different and powerful way of looking at our trials, Justin. And I want to thank you for sharing that. We are going to listen to this song, Where No One Stands Alone, and then we will be back as we continue to unpack this subject. Once I stood in the night with my head bowed low. In the darkness as black as the sea And my heart felt alone And I cried, oh Lord, don't hide your face from me Hold my hand Every hour, every day, from here to the great unknown, take my hand, let me stand where no one stands. Great riches to call my own But I don't know a thing In this whole wide world That's worse than being alone Hold my hand all the way 
favorite songs. I hadn't heard those guys sing it, but beautiful. Amen. Well, thank you, Shel, for the song. And you are all listening to Looking Up with today, Justin and Sharissa and Shell. We are missing Danny, but he will be joining us back next week. And uh, yeah, thanks for the feedback. We've been seeing some of the prizes being going, which is great. Um, I think if you you might be lucky to still get one. There might be one left, but uh, uh, just want to thank you, Josh. We've heard from you who says, loving the show this week. It's my favorite radio program of all time. Wow. <laughs> God bless you, Josh. Yeah. He says, such an important topic. The Lord bless you and give you peace. Thanks for sharing. Oh, thanks well, so much, Josh. God bless you too. Yeah, Thank we you for appreciate the encouragement. the encouragement, and it's great to hear from our listeners. And again, if you want to try and be the one to get the last of the free offers, uh, it is the number is zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four, and the code word today is trust. Mm. Well, Justin, right before we went to that song break, you were just you were just suggesting that we should look at our trials from a very different perspective than what we normally do, and that is when we ask, "Why me? Why me?" It's been, why have I been so blessed? That's right, yeah. To flip it and to look at the positive and say, it could be worse. <laughs> I mean, look at Job. Yeah. Really. Like, and Job trusted God in the midst of all of those trials. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, First Peter, the, the precious book of the New Testament, Peter was writing to the New Testament Christians that were being persecuted for their faith. And look at what he had to say to them, verses 6 and 7 of First Peter chapter 1. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, ha uh, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm, wow. So he says, Your faith You've been grieved by various trials. Yeah? He says rejoice. Just like James said, um, rejoice. Have all joy. Consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while you've been grieved by various trials. Why? So that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus. So when Jesus Amen. comes back, your faith will be complete and we'll, you'll be ready to go home with him. So the reason that Christians can look at our trials in life through the lenses of, how am I still so blessed, Lord? Even in the midst of this trial, I know that you are with me and that I'll be stronger and you're allowing this for some good that you will, or you will bring good out of it, even though the devil may attend it, intend it as an attack. 
this is so beautiful because Peter uses the illustration of gold.、Mm. Now, Sharissa, have you ever seen gold ore before? No. <laughs> okay. It's often found around quartz in the ground, but when you look at gold ore, It is, it is, you can't usually tell that there's gold in it unless the gold、mm-hmm. content is very high, and that does happen at times. You see little kind of specks and spots of gold, but it just looks like rock. What do you do in order to purify it, to make it into what people make, you know, rings and,、um, you know, gold things out of? You have to put it into a furnace.、Mm. You have to burn away all of the dross. And when you turn up the heat, The dross, they call it, which is the rock and the ore and the dirt and all the junk melts away. And all that is left eventually is the pure gold. Wow. And that is what is refined,、uh, refined gold. Now,、um, one of my favorite preachers of all time, his name was Charles D. Brooks,、um, <laughs> C.D. Brooks. He was an evangelist, African American evangelist in the United States who's responsible to lead, for leading thousands, just hundreds of thousands probably of people to Jesus. Um, one of my very favorite preachers and, and、um, you know, pastors that I look up to, he shared a story when he went to speak with a man who worked at a gold, actually, he took a tour of a gold refinery. And he asked the man who was responsible for the gold, like for turning off the heat, he said, How do you know when the gold is ready, when it's purified? And he said, Oh, that's easy. When I can look down and see my face in it. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. Because our faith is compared to gold. And Jesus is the refiner who is allowing certain trials in our lives that are like the fires, the fiery trials. So that when God looks at us and he can see his reflection in, in, our, us. in us, then he knows that the trial is accomplishing. Exactly. When he, he looks、wants. down and he <laughs> sees a reflection of his face in us, he knows that the impurities of our character. Are being removed and purified through the trials and the difficulties in our lives.、Um, this is a powerful quote, Sharissa. If you would read this, it's、uh, yeah. Yeah.、Uh, These trials of life are God's workmen to remo- remove the impurities, infirmities, and roughness from our characters and fit us for the society of pure heavenly angels in glory. Now, this next sentence is so powerful. And this is written, penned as a letter of encouragement by a woman who had lost two children,、mm-hmm. one at six months and one at 16 years.、Mm-hmm. She was a woman who had, had、uh, you know, been through difficulty in life. And look at this, this is so encouraging. But as we pass through these trials, as the fires of affliction kindle upon us, we must not keep the eye on the fire which is seen, but let the eye of faith fasten upon the things unseen, the eternal inheritance, the immortal life, the eternal weight of glory. And while we do this, the fire will not consume us, but only remove the dross, and we shall come forth seven times purified, bearing the impress of the divine. Wow. wow. Beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. Beautiful. So, as we go through the fiery trials in life, we are not to keep our eye on the fire which is seen, but let the eye of faith fasten upon the things unseen.、Amen. And we're going to come, that's a biblical verse that she's referencing there, and we'll get to it in a minute. But、um, in Acts chapter 14, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church、um, in、uh, the Bible, says in verse 21 of Acts 14. When they preached the gospel in that, to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, 
and saying, now before we say what they said, and sure, I want you to read it, but <laughs> notice when Paul was encouraging new believers, he didn't say, don't worry, after you give your life to Jesus, everything is going to be peachy keen, everything will bed be just, of, just fine, bed of roses, bed of roses no thorns, box of chocolates, <laughs> <laughs> box of chocolates. <laughs> but this is the one sentence that the Bible tells us, or that quotes, although he would have said much more than this, this is the one sentence that the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to pen down that Paul said to them in exhorting these new believers. And what did he say? He said, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Wow. He said, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. The reality for the Christian is not that life will be trial-free, but that life will be with hand in hand with Jesus in the midst of our trials. And that the heaviest burden, when we're bearing it with Christ, is bearable. You know, I heard the story of, and sometimes we struggle to lay our burdens at Jesus' feet, don't we? I heard the story of a a hitchhiker who who was wearing a big heavy backpack. He was backpacking and um, he was traveling and some guy in a ute pulled up and he's like, hey, hop in. So he said, oh, thank you so much. So he ran and caught up with the ute and he hopped in the back of the ute I guess it was a truck because this was America. But um, he took off and uh, there he was in his ute. And after about 10 miles or 16 kilometers or so, the man driving the ute looked in the rearview mirror and saw the man was still wearing his heavy backpack. So he was wearing his backpack in the back of this ute. And so he pulled over, he stopped, and he told the guy, he's like, hey, you can take your backpack off. You know, you can set it down. And you know what the guy told him? He said, Oh, listen, you've been so kind as to carry me, to give me a ride. I wouldn't want you to have to carry my backpack, too. <laughs> and sometimes it's that way with us and God, isn't it? Uh, yeah. We're we're partially letting God carry us and our burdens, but we're still holding on to them. And it can be difficult to let them go, but it is a beautiful feeling when we can take His Word as true in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, where Jesus says... Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and Mm. learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. And so we can lay our burdens down at Jesus' feet. Now, there is a um, a beautiful quote that I actually read the morning of my, uh, my kite surfing crash. And little did I know that... God providentially led me to this, uh, you know, to some verses in the Bible and to this, this, this passage in a book called Testimonies for the Church that was all about trials mm-hmm. in life. And this is a, a powerful sentence out of it. And I'd just like to ask you to read it for us, Sharissa. God would have his servants become acquainted with the moral machinery of their own hearts. In order to bring this about, he often permits the fire of affliction to assail them that they may become purified. Mm. Check that out. That just jumped out at me when I read it. Moral machinery. Yeah. God would have his servants become acquainted with the Mm. moral machinery of their own hearts. And he often permits the fires of affliction to assail them so that they may become purified. You know, I grew up with my dad owning a auto body and mechanic shop that he ran, um, auto body and smash repair, that, or smash repair and mechanic shop for cars, about 300 meters from our house. And uh, Sharissa, you've been there, you've been to that neighborhood, even though he does um, construction and remodeling and building now, and uh, has, has sold the business or, you know, got out of that business about 20 years ago now. I grew up getting to ride in some pretty awesome cars because, you know, 
when the car was fixed and there was a need for a little test drive, um, you know, my dad would often be like, hey, come hop in. We're going to take it for a test drive. And I remember there was a, a lawyer from San Francisco, which was an hour and a half south of where I grew up, that uh, my, my was very kind. And he said, look, once you fix it, as long as you pay with petrol, drive it wherever you want. I won't be back for three weeks. And it was a 1978 Corvette. And it was a black one. And I remember like watching the Batman cartoon when I was a kid. And it looked like the Batmobile. Um, not recommending the cartoon, by the way, or Batman <laughs> at all. But that's what it looked like, just to put a mental picture in your head. Now, the reason that we could drive it is because my dad had fixed it. And as a mechanic, my dad knew this pulley pulls that lever that does this, which moves that. And if I touched it here, and if this is broken, it's going to affect that. Because he knew what would happen with cause and effect under the hood, so to speak, he understood the machinery of the car and mm -hmm. still does. When it comes to our hearts, the moral machinery of our own hearts is something that we don't naturally understand. Mm -hmm. But God allows a trial, a fire of affliction, whether it's big or small, whether it's somebody saying something nasty to you and pushing a certain button, and you react maybe a certain way or you're tempted to react a certain way. And you say, why, why did them pushing that button cause me to do this? God has allowed that trial to come in order to help you understand why you react the way you do. Why you respond the way you do. Why it may have triggered you in a certain way. And so he allows trials to come our way for the... Um, you know, to reveal to us the moral machinery of our hearts. And so we can say, Lord, I realize that my machinery is messed up. It's broken. I need you to fix it and change it. And the next time somebody pushes this button, help me to see it coming ahead of time so I can respond the way that Jesus would rather than the way I naturally want to respond. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. So moving on through this, uh, this page that I was reading uh, as a, along with my morning, as a part of my morning devotionals, there's so much gold here. And um, Sharissa, do you want to read this for us? Sure. Just continuing the quote, the purification of the people of God cannot be accomplished without their suffering. Whoa. <laughs> do you read that again? The purification of the people of God cannot be accomplished without their suffering. Wow. And then it references First Peter that we talked about with the gold. This is God permits the fires of affliction to consume the dross mm -hmm. and separate the worthless from the valuable so that the pure metal may shine forth. And I love this too. Um, it says, he passes us from one fire to another, testing our true worth. And he, he tries us in the fires of affliction. But wow, that thought is a huge one. That our purification as God's people can't be accomplished without our suffering. Why do you think that is? Like, there's no other way? <laughs> it's naturally what we would prefer, right? Like, yeah. like suffering. Man, nobody wants suffering. Nobody. But because of the, the nature of sin, I would say, there's no way for us to be purified and our characters be changed and transformed to be like Christ without suffering without mm -hmm. pain and difficulty. And you know, God is so good. He knows just how much we can handle. And mm -hmm. I love 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. It says, Therefore no temptation or no trial has taken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will, who will not allow you to be tested beyond that which you are able to bear, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may stand up under it. Amen. Beautiful. So God knows how much trial and, and difficulty we can endure. 
We can trust him in the fire. (laughs) Well, we're going to listen to Sarah Hart now. She's going to bring us a song better than a hallelujah. We will then have a news break and we will continue with our final leg of Bible study just after this. everyone you're listening to a repeat of our live show looking up that's right and if you think this is good you'll definitely want to tune in on wednesdays at 3 30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate there's a free giveaway that you can claim you can text in your questions and prayer requests live is so much more fun so catch you then
You've got Jacob who takes the stone off the well, mm. waters all of the sheep, and then he kisses Rachel, and the next thing he does is he weeps, and then the next thing he does is he explains who he is. Mm. Kind of wondering whether it happened in that order. Yeah, I think so. You think so? Okay, so this guy is fleeing for his life. Yes. That's why he's traveling. Yes. And he rocks up in this place and he finally finds his family. Yes. Crying a lot. Now, this would have been a bit of a shock to Rachel. I think so. Definitely. I think it happened in this order, but it's appropriate for the kind of circumstance and situation that Jacob's in at the moment. Like, he's under incredible pressure and stress and struggle right now. You know, he's like taken off from his homeland and he's ended up in this spot here because he's fearing for his life. But finally, he's found people. He's found his family. Join us weekday mornings on The Breakfast Show. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. today but we've just got a little bit more time left to wrap up our study justin before the break uh, we were talking about how the purification of the people of god cannot be accomplished without their suffering and i kind of asked you a question and and uh, i think we ran out of time to unpack it yeah isn't there another way yeah <laughs> like does it have to be through our suffering that you know it, it, god uses it to purify his people and uh the answer <clears throat> is essentially that uh, it's the purification of our difficulties and our trials in life are the purification God needs to refine our characters. And I love this. It says God's, God brings his people later on in this page that I read that day on my devotions um, that led to the kite surfing crash that led to us finding my cancer. Um, God brings his people near him by close testing trials, by showing them their own weakness and inability, and by teaching them to lean upon him as their only help and safeguard. And so powerful, you know, like the reason why our suffering and our trials are used by God uh, to purify us and prepare us for heaven is because we lean upon him and we come to trust him more in those trials. Absolutely um, encouraging and very powerful. Um, Bible verse. Read this for us. Sharissa, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. The Bible says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Yeah, in verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Mm. Powerful. So our light affliction, Paul says, and he went through a whole lot. You know, Paul was, and he has lists, you know, in 2 Corinthians, I think chapters 4, 6, I want to say 9 or 11 there, like beaten within an inch of his life multiple times, shipwrecked at sea, all kinds of terrible things, but he calls them light afflictions. Mm -hmm. And he says, these are just really for a moment, but they're working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What a, a beautiful quote. Um, or what a beautiful verse from the Apostle Paul. Now, there's a little book called The Ministry of Healing. And at the end of this book is a powerful chapter called Help in Daily Living. And it's actually a whole section. You can buy it as a separate little book. But chapter 40 is called Help in Daily Living and highly recommend this. We'll read just a few sentences here before there's a section called The Discipline of Trial. And we're just going to highlight 
a few powerful keys there. And then I want to share with you some Charles Spurgeon quotes that have really been beautiful to me. And um, also want to make available to everybody who is interested, there's a handout that I have compiled with different quotes. Some of them we've shared with you, but many more that we haven't today. Four pages. It's a file that we can email you. If you write us here at Faith FM, Shell will be happy to flick it to you by email. And so write us the one word, trials, and uh, we will get that handout to you. But um, Sharissa, why don't you just share... Oh man, it's so we can't skip these. They're too good. Okay, there is. This an, is from uh, yeah. Sorry, the Helping Daily Living, Chapter Forty of the Book Ministry of Healing. All right, there is an eloquence far more powerful than the eloquence of words in the quiet, consistent life of a pure, true Christian. What a man is has more influence than what he says. Wow, mm. beautiful. What a man is has more influence than what he says. Powerful in the midst of our trials, especially. How about that sentence there? The gospel we present for the saving of souls must be the gospel by which our own souls are saved. Yeah, next one. The strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. Powerful. Uh, Are we loving and lovable Christians? Next is this section called the discipline of trial. And it is um, really, really powerful. I highly recommend it. Go read it. Check it out. Um, we won't read the whole thing to you here today, but I do want to share with you um, an illustration and then a quote from Charles Spurgeon's daily devotional book that I highly recommend. One of my favorite books. Uh, it is called Mornings and Evenings by mm-hmm. Charles Spurgeon. There's a page for the morning, page for the evening, and a Bible verse that it is based upon. Mm-hmm. I'll let you read it. Oh, you want me to read it? Because you're so passionate about it. I want to take away the quote. <laughs> oh, that's, that is all right. I was... It says this, faith untried, and it's basis. this is November, um, oh man, there's so many, there's two actually, there's March 8th, which is gold, and uh, we'll have to, man, we'll just have to skip that, no, 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 I can't skip it, March 8th, the morning of March 8th, based on Acts 14.22, we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God, we read that together earlier, it says, God's people have their trials. It was never designed by God when he chose his people that they should be an untried people. They were chosen in the furnace of affliction. They were never chosen to worldly peace and earthly joy. Freedom from sickness and the pains of mortality was never promised them. But when their Lord drew up the charter of privileges, he included chastisements among the things to which they were inevitably to be heirs. Trials are part of our lot. They were predestined for us in Christ's last legacy. So surely as the stars are fashioned by his hands and their orbits fixed by him, so surely are our trials allotted to us and he has ordained their season and their place and their intensity. And then he says, good men must never expect expect to escape troubles. If they do, they will be disappointed for none of their predecessors have been without them. Hmm. Sharissa, can you think of anyone, any faithful person in the Bible who didn't have trials in their life? No, and come to think of it, every faithful person in the Bible we call faithful because they put faith in God in the midst of trial. Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, this is another one that's gold is November 12th, the morning of November 12th. He says this. Why don't you read this one? Faith untried may be true faith, but it is not but it is sure to be little faith, and it is likely to remain dwarfish so long as it is without trials. Hmm. Faith never prospers so well as when all things are against her. Tempests are her trainers, and lightnings are her illuminators. Wow. 
Going on, the end of the page, uh, he says this, No flowers wear so lovely a blue as those which grow at the foot of the frozen glacier. No stars gleam so brightly as those which glisten in the polar sky. No water tastes so sweet as that which springs amidst desert sands. And no faith is so precious as that which lives and triumphs in adversity. Mm-hmm. Tried faith brings experience. Amen. Charles Spurgeon, morning, de- morning and evening devotions, November 12th. So powerful. He was a man who really walked with the Lord, Charles Spurgeon. He did. Um, I've read a biography on his life, and I'll just share this because I think it's cool. Um, he loved Jesus so much that, according to biographer, uh, one biographer, he broke out in a sermon on Jesus in his sleep one mm. night. His wife woke up, heard him preaching, and she took notes on his <laughs> sermon. And when he woke up the next day, she handed him the notes, and he went down to the tabernacle and preached the sermon. Wow. That's how consumed his heart was with Jesus. So if you hear me preaching in my sleep, <laughs> you need to write it down. Yeah, I will. I will. I definitely will. <laughs> that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Reminds me of what David prayed in the Psalms. He says, you instruct me in the night seasons. Mm. You know, beautiful. Um, there is a, a picture that we can't show you over radio, obviously, but Sharissa, <laughs> describe this for us. All right. Well, it's got a picture of an altar, a sacrificial altar, and then there's a plow and there's a Ox in between an altar and a plow. The altar is where cows would be sacrificed. That's right. right. And there's a sign above it that says, ready for either. Mm. The yoke was an instrument. The plow there is an instrument of work. Mm -hmm. And the altar was after the cow would would die, right? And so this should be our attitude as followers of Christ. Lord, I'm ready for either. I've given my life to you, and if you see fit that I fall asleep in the sleep of death, and the next thing that I know will be opening my eyes and seeing Jesus come, I'm ready. That's fine, Lord. I I will accept that. But if you have more work for me to do, like that plow, like that ox with that plow, then I am committed to do that work. You know, I I mentioned before, but I'll just say it again because it's just as true as when I said it earlier in the broadcast. (laughs) If there's a mountain in your way, God will make a way. Amen. If he doesn't remove it, He'll tunnel with you through it, or he'll help you up over it, or journey with you around it. Mm. And that is my God. My question to you today is, is he your God? To his children, nothing is impossible because everything is him possible. (laughs) That is possible with him. He can turn every test into a testimony, any mess into a message. He can turn your trial into a triumph. He brings beauty from ashes, faith from fear. Gladness from mourning and peace for despair. That's my God. Is He your God? You know, without Him, nothing is possible. But through Him, all things are possible. He produces the positive and negates the negative. He's the God of the slim chance, of the fat chance, of the small (laughs) chance, and of the no chance. He cures COVID and cholera and clots and carcinoma and colic and cancer. And yes, every other disease that doesn't start with the letter C. (laughs) He's not bound by statistics. Whatever your stage, whatever your condition, it is nothing compared to his healing hand. He unstops deaf ears. He opens blind eyes. He causes the lame to leap with joy. And in his presence, demons tremble and diseases flee. That is my God. Is he your God today? He restores, and God is so good. The Bible says that He can restore what the locusts have devoured. He rebuilds ruins. He repairs relationships. He even raises the dead back to life. His power has no limit. His grace has no measure. His wisdom has no equal. His strength has no rival. 
His compassion has no failure, and His love has no ending. Amen. That is my God. And I fully believe that He will heal me. I'm not going anywhere anytime mm-hmm. soon. But even if I were to die tomorrow, I know that the next thing that I would see would be the face of my God when He comes again for all of His own. Mm-hmm. My question and our question to you today is, do you have that assurance? Mm-hmm. Is He your God? Because when He is, no matter what trial you may be going through, He will bear you and your burdens. With Him, holding His hand, hand in hand with Him, anything is bearable. Amen. It reminds me of that hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is yes, mine. mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Yeah. Oh, Justin, that's so so uplifting. A reminder to point us to God, the one who is able to carry us through life's trials, but who in life's trials makes something beautiful of our lives and has a purpose much greater than we can comprehend that he's working out. Absolutely. And I just want to say, you know, you may be listening today and you may be going through a trial in your life or you may know someone who's going through a trial in their life and you may be thinking, how on earth can I have any positive perspective on this at all? And you may feel like that is something that is impossible. I just want to encourage you, friends. Place it in the hand of God. Give it to Him. And and He can handle your honesty. He already knows your heart. He knows where you're at. And it's okay to tell Him, Lord, I don't understand. I don't see how you can bring any good out of this. And I don't see how I'm supposed to be able to trust you in this. He's big enough for you to tell Him. But as you do, and as you say, Lord, I don't understand, but I do believe that you're a God of love. And when I can't trace your hand, I'm going to choose to trust your heart. Mm. Then God will place greater faith in you. He'll grow that faith. And through this trial, you will find yourself trusting in Him more than you did before. And He can replace that, that difficulty and that challenge with the confidence that He is with you and that He's present even in the midst of this difficulty. Amen. Amen. I think there's something in this for all of us today because, you know, life might feel like it's trial for a hit time, but trials come to all. And this is such a wonderful reminder to keep looking up in the face of trials. Look to Jesus because in him we find hope and peace and strength. Well, in just a few moments here, we are going to listen to a song called Belly of a Whale. Now, that reminds me of uh, another Bible character who went through a trial, or <laughs> yes. kind of self-inflicted a little bit. <laughs> right. there. But God took care of him even in the midst of his trial, Jonah. And uh, this song will probably remind us all about that. And after that song, we will come back and we'll be sharing some final thoughts and comments mm. on, on this subject uh, for our listeners as we wrap up. So don't go anywhere and stay tuned. Enjoy this beautiful song, Belly of a Whale. Into the ocean, into the bottom of glass. I could hide out in the future, I could burrow in the past. But you cannot resist your tendency to save me from myself, and I'm living on your mercy in the belly of. 
listening to Looking Up and we have come to the end of our program today and it's been a wonderful program, a little diversion from our uh, theme that we've been stepping through in previous weeks but a worthy diversion because one we can all relate to talking about what we should, uh, how we should look at our trials as being something that can be a blessing in spite of the difficulty and how God is using trials to purify us and to make us more like him. Absolutely. So Justin, in the few moments that we have before we wrap up today, what would be some final thoughts that you would like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, first off, you know, there's amazing power in prayer because prayer connects us to God and it who is omnipotent and all powerful and it enables God to do that which he otherwise would be unable to do had we not thus asked. And so because Freedom of choice is uh, such a, a powerful element in this battle between good and evil. And God has to honor freedom of choice as a God of love. Um, when we pray, it enables God to do things he couldn't otherwise do because we've asked him to. And so we want to ask for your prayers for us as uh, I go through my treatment, both with conventional treatment for this uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is cancer of the lymph nodes, um, 
I have eight weeks of that, and I've also hitting it fairly hard with the natural, um, you know, the natural things that God has put in the natural world, the plant world, um, to accompany that. And so, yeah, pray for us that God will bring healing, and know that we're going to be saying a special prayer for you, whoever you are, as you're out there. And if you need special prayer, don't hesitate to write us here on the show, and we will lift up, lift you up to the Lord by name with whatever you might be going through. So that's the first thought. And my second thought that I had in, in closing was just to, to point out that Jesus himself suffered. Mm. You know, he went through trials, and it's like he was perfect, right like he was sinless true he, he why did he, he didn't have need to, purification <laughs> yeah why did he have to go through trials and hebrews chapter 2 actually talks about this it says in verse 10 for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings in order for jesus to be the captain of our salvation how can he save people who aren't going to go through suffering unless he suffered and being a fully human and fully divine, he couldn't be fully human and not suffer. It says, for both, this is Hebrews 2.11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified um, are all of one. So the Bible says that he was made perfect through suffering. And so he went through difficulty. And I love it. Hebrews 4, verse 15. It says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Amen. Beautiful. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can go to the throne of grace because Jesus is there. Whatever our trial, whatever our suffering, whatever pain that we may be going through, we can know that Jesus knows what it's like to suffer and to be tempted. And it says in Hebrews 2.18, last verse, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Amen. Amen. I think that's a beautiful place for us to land the plane today. <laughs> and uh, maybe you could say a closing prayer for our listeners. Yes, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much that you are such a loving and compassionate God. We love you that you are a father who knows what we can handle. Lord, even when we feel like we are being pressed and, and stressed beyond what we are able, we can know that your promise is true, that you will not allow us to be tested above that which we are able to endure with your strength, but that with the struggle, you are faithful and you will make a way for us to stand up under it. Thank you so much that we can hold your hand by faith through whatever trials and difficulties we may be going through. So we give ourselves to you again and trust that you will lead in our lives until we see your you face to face when Jesus comes again. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us for this program today. We've so enjoyed having your company and we look forward to having you back here. Same time, same station this time next week uh, for our continuing program as we continue through the three angels messages. And always remember that fear looks around. Regret looks back, but faith, faith is very different. Faith always looks, looks up. up. So may God bless you and keep looking up. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start. With a 
your prayer, all your cares he will cast into the depths of the sea. His love is always there for 